Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of Go Kid Go and a mom to two kids. Join my family on the story train with calm conductor Birdie each night as we travel through the magic rainbow tunnel to everywhere and anywhere to find the best bedtime stories. Search for Story Train on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. This story is a fairy tale, but not the syrupy sweet kind. It has teeth and parts of it are scary. Suggested listening age is seven and up. And if you're a grown-up still protecting a child within, this show's for you too. Realm presents a Dagaz Media production of Fae and Fiends, an original story for audio by Fred Greenhalge. Episode 6, The World Tree. Lizzie has had so many funny, mixed-up emotions since she journeyed into Faye that she almost forgets to notice that she has the strangest ones of them all right now. Scared, confused, homesick, all of that. But most of all, the feeling that comes over her is amazed. She is seeing something that few, if any human kids ever get to see. A real, honest-to-goodness fairy. Now, in all the stories, fairies are made out to be a sort of wispy, stringy person. But that is not true at all. Actually, the fairy Lizzie sees now is more like a magical insect. Kind of a combination of a dragonfly with its shimmering lean body and inquisitive eyes, and a butterfly with its spectacular rainbow-colored wings, flittering so fast they blur to the eye and leave a trail of sparkling dust and a lightning bug. Except instead of just their rump, its whole body shimmers with green light. Lizzie and her mom live in New York City, in a place called Brooklyn. And sometimes Lizzie's mom will bring her all the way to her favorite place in the whole world, Central Park. She and her mom plop down in the grass. Her mom will read a book, and Lizzie gets to just play in the grass and look around at the world. And Lizzie doesn't look at the whole big world. She likes to look at the little things in the world, like grasshoppers. In fact, right now, Lizzie is remembering a particular grasshopper, a green one, that hopped onto Lizzie's hand while she played with a dandelion. Lizzie stared at its eyes, the great huge compound eyes that allow the grasshopper to see in so many different directions. And Lizzie recalls wondering if the grasshopper was staring at her back. Was it thinking, what is this hand? that I have landed in, and what is this creature looking at me? What is this great, gigantic world around me? So huge and loud and noisy and dirty, but also beautiful and filled with things that can hurt me. What is the purpose that makes me hop ceaselessly, day in, day out, 
eating and getting stronger, hoping one day to make more grasshoppers, for what is it all for? Or maybe it was thinking none of those things. Maybe it was really, truly present, just sharing a moment with Lizzie, not between a tiny thing who is vulnerable and a gigantic thing who can crush it, but simply as two beings Two creatures staring at each other and sharing a moment on a lazy summer afternoon that might stretch on forever. And then it hopped away. And then the fairy Althea speaks, and the moment is gone. Okay, off with you lot. (coughs) Great, just great. Ten minutes in the enchanted wood and we get thrown about like a bunch of Package mishandled by Griffin oh, Sorry, Weasel, I'll have to cast a mute spell on you. A mute? It's not my preference, but we do need something to ensure you mind your tongue. Oh my gosh, Kyle. Is this... Yes, this is the World Tree. <laughs> the World Tree. The seat of the Fairy Queen. The tree that connects Fae to our world, and according to Calindriel, to many other worlds, it is, to start, the largest tree Lizzie has ever seen. In fact, it's so large, she can't see the whole tree in one look. She can't even see the whole edge of it if she looks all the way to the left and then all the way to the right. It's like going to the ocean, but instead of water, It's tree as far as the eye can see. Fairies in the hundreds, the thousands maybe, buzz around going about their ways. There are doorways carved into the tree, little houses built here and there, nests for birds and squirrels, great ladders made of moss, and any number of fruits bearing heavy on the tree. Looking at it, it's like this tree is its own kind of New York City. A New York City of the forest. Then more fairy guards flutter to the ground in front of the companions, laying down an open seed pod, large enough to fit Lizzie, the goat, and the weasel. And clearly, this is the intention. Another fairy arrives, looking fancier than the others. Lady Melvina, these are the intruders? They are. Mm -hmm. We caught them (gasps) burning a tree! Mm -hmm. I put it out! I put it out! Mm Worries. There's no lasting damage. And wargs! They brought wargs! Delivered by rockets! Everybody calm down! Everyone calm down! Is this true, Althea? Yes, Lady Melvina. (laughs) We must get them to the Queen post-haste. Okay, follow me. Don't try anything funny. You know, we never would, Lady Melvina. Who are you to call me? You're... You're a unicorn. (gasps) You're Kylandriel. My friends know me as Kyle, but yes, that's that's me. How did you escape the... uh, No, forget that. What happened to your... Uh Oh. Oh, dear. You mean, your horn? It's the horn. 
You're the cause of all this trouble. Oh. Hey! It's not Kyle's fault a warlock stole his horn. Oh. What did you say? Lady Melvina, young Lizzie is new to the Fae Court. And I meant what I said. Kyle was attacked. Lizzie. You can't blame him for what happened. Oh. Of course not. Now, let's get on with it. We mustn't keep our queen waiting. This way. <laughs> the head guard, Lady Melvina, shuffles the companions into the open seed pot, and the rest of the fairy guards grab the edges of it, and with a flutter of wings, they are floating, flying, rising, up into the arms of the magnificent world tree. All the wonders Lizzie saw from the ground are only multiple now that they are flying up. Fairies are everywhere, along with other creatures she could only imagine to name. Creatures with horns and creatures with tails. Lizard-like things and flying things, talking birds and creatures made of shimmering air. The tree is so vast, Lizzie imagines it has its own neighborhoods. Parts of the tree that creatures live in every day and never even need to leave, since everything they could want is right there. And farther, farther up they go, to where her breath almost grows short. It's a shimmering bubble of a palace. It's the home of the Fairy Queen. You've been here before, Clindriel? With my mother, a few centuries ago. Queen Glendora holds a soft spot in her heart for unicorns, even for those damaged. Hey! I'm not damaged. I'm just as much a unicorn as I've ever been. I'm sorry, I meant no offense. Then know that every part of me is unicorn, horn or not. Yes, of course. Uh, just, you're a unicorn that travels with a weasel. Uh, can, can they not? Yeah, I'll unmute him. Thank you. Ugh. Finally, Calindriel, I thought we were friends, and you go around casting mute spells on people. Uh, and as for you, oh. a weasel, you say, a weasel, mm. I am none other than Garrett the Guile, denizen of the tallest rickety shack oh. in all of the dismal swamp, thiever of gold from giants, possessor of the one and only shell of a wyvern egg, and absolutely Definitely most tolerable spoker and occasional slayer of the cockatrice! Yeah. You can see why we occasionally mute them. Uh, yes, well, plus a human girl. An odd batch you all make, that's for sure. Very well, onward. The shimmering globe that sits atop the branches of the world tree cracks open for the companions to enter, and then they are somewhere else entirely. Lizzie's mom once brought her to an observatory, a place where all you could see in all directions was the great infinity of the dark sky, cascading with stars, giving you a sense of just how big the universe is. A feeling of bigness that swept over you, carried you away. It's like that inside the Fay Queen's palace, except even bigger. The stars don't stay in one place politely twinkling. They dance, they dart, they create shapes and break apart, reform. A manticorn chases a buffalo across the horizon and splits into the many heads of a hydra. 
before settling into the shell of a mighty turtle blazing about dreamily through the ocean of stars. At the center of this great bubble, not neatly on the floor but floating up midway through the chamber, is a throne of knitted vines shaped like the Celtic knot necklace Lizzie's mom wears. This knot stretches out to all sides of the bubble, top, left, right, bottom, diagonal, like a ball of twine that ties the whole wide world together. And there, in the center of it all, the heart of the knot, the head of the world tree, is she, the fairy queen. Greetings. Mistress! My queen. Hi. Lizzie, Kyle, and Garrett all kneel, though the queen's attention is turned elsewhere. For a long moment they wait there. Enough time for the peace that lives in the center of the world tree to enter Lizzie. The quiet is not emptiness, no, far from it. In the absence of racing thoughts and worries and fears and conversations, there is magic. It trickles up from this place like water from a well, and suddenly Lizzie is swimming in it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Lizzie looks down at her hands, and for a moment she thinks they're glowing. But no, it's not that they're glowing. It's that Lizzie can see right through them. Lizzie, Lizzie, not here. Lizzie can't help herself. The pole of the magic has grown from a well to a spring to a river to the mightiest current in the ocean, pulling her out to sea, away from the banks of the known and into a distant place, a place where she does not know her own name anymore. In this place, Lizzie's name is not important. In this place, her sense of self is nothing more than any drop of water's importance in the crashing waves of the sea. She's arrived at a place where she is not a performer swimming in the ocean. She has become one with it. She is the ocean itself. And then, a voice. She is of the bloodline. I can tell. Very good. Come back to us, Elizabeth. The Queen of Fae's voice is like another current, pulling Lizzie back. And for a moment, Lizzie doesn't want to go. Out here, there's so much peace. Everything just makes sense. No confusion, no fighting. And then the tide pulls her so fast she's washed back up on shore. Back to, well, not her own world, but at least a world where she has two feet that stand on something solid. She opens her eyes. Your mother never chose to develop her gift, but you, perhaps. And is that a hot stone wand you carry? Hmm... There is so much to ponder here. And Calindrel, <laughs> you've returned. Yes, Queen. 
You have a question in your eyes. Say it. Just... Well, I, I've heard things. People have said terrible rumors. Calindriel? Why are people telling me I'm the only unicorn? We are preparing a great feast tonight, Kyle. Music from the elves and the darkest ale from the dwarves. Fruits served from the world tree of every sort of sweetness you could imagine. Are you sure you wish to hear this story now? Queen, my heart can bear waiting for the answer no longer. <sighs> Guards, leave us. Queen, they were caught burning an enchanted tree. <sighs> an accident? Go now. They are my guests. What? You too, Lady Melvina. Yes, my queen. And what are we to do? Join the elves in preparing the great feast. You want us to no. help the, the elves? Oh, as you wish, my queen. And take the weasel, what? bring them to the royal treasury, and allow them to take whatever treasure they wish. Truly. Honorable Garrett. You have done Faye a great service by bringing us Lizzie and our lost unicorn, Calindriel. You deserve a reward for your efforts. <laughs> what did I tell you, Mum? Fortune for your only child, that's what! Congratulations, Garrett. The Queen is right. You helped us a lot. Thank you. Well, peace, y'all. Weasel gets the treasure, and I get to help the elves? Uh-huh. Understood. Goodbye. Doom. Doom, I tell you. The Fae Court empties quickly, and soon it is Lizzie, Kyle, and the Queen. Kyle is trying to be respectful to the Queen, but he can't keep his feelings to himself. My heart is near to bursting, Queen. Please, tell me. Calindriel, take a bite of spirit root to calm your nerves and recover your spirit after such a long journey. Queen, it's my favorite, but truly I, I cannot deign to bite food when my heart weighs already, knowing that you have ill tidings. Oh, you turn away my gift. I, no, no, of course not. For you, my queen. It is as splendid a route as I remember. I feel the weariness of the road leaving me already. Ah, yes. Then you may more easily carry the weight of what you are about to hear. Carlo has set the wargs upon your species. No! Who has fallen, who is left, we fay do not know this. We know that during that dark night so many years ago, Carlo returned to this world with the horn of a unicorn, your horn, but not with the blood of a child. He could not create a tunnel to burrow through the worlds like he wished, nor could he break the spell which banished him to the land of the goblins. But his agents, the wargs, could traverse these lands, and so he sent them to punish the unicorns. Oh, no, 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 no. As you know, the horn of the unicorn is connected with its people, 
And with Carlo's dark eye, the wargs hunted the unicorns mercilessly. The unicorns fought, but the wargs appeared so suddenly and with such ferocity that many were slain before they knew what was happening. And where were you, queen? How did the fairies help protect us? We did not. What? We believed it was best to stay out of these matters. I did not wish to upset the balance of- The balance? A warlock slaughtered my kind, and you worried about balance? I- Oh, I am sorry, Queen. I did not mean to raise my voice. It is only fair that you did. What we did, or more truthfully, what we did not do, was terrible. Someone needed to stop the wargs, and we did nothing. We thought that the equilibrium of Fae would fix things. We thought any action would further upset the balance. What we did not realize is that Carlo is not like any creature of Fae. He is a fiend, a monster with an appetite that is never sated. You cannot reason with such a creature. So all the unicorns are dead? No. I, I mean... What? Perhaps. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I think some went into hiding. Perhaps they are hiding here in the Enchanted Wood, in plain sight. Perhaps they took refuge across the ocean. Perhaps they ascended to the Angel Kingdom. But are the Unicorn family still free here, in the Enchanted Wood, walking about? No. The Wargs saw to that. Then there is only one solution. We must destroy Carlo! No. What? Will you just it said- It is too late. We saw the destruction wrought by the Wargs. But Carlo's strength is a hundredfold that now. The entire Goblin Kingdom is aligned with him. They have turned their farm tools into weapons, retrained their magic of the land into magic of war. Fairy cannot bear the cost of starting a war with such a man. We might not win. And so instead you will stay here? Hiding? Letting him conquer all? He still cannot break the spell of the Enchanted Wood. What about tonight? Wargs waltzed into the Great Wood like it was nothing! It was a loophole in the enchantment that I will fix. The Great Wood is withering. Maybe you do not see it because it has been so many years in coming, but I have been in the human world for all these years and see it clearly. Carlo does not need to raise up finger to destroy Faye. He only needs to wait. Mind your words, Calindriel. You may be a unicorn, but your sense of time is but a raindrop in a hurricane compared to the infinite depth of the world tree. I know time, Queen. I have felt thirty human years pass like three thousand, protecting the greenways, waiting for Lizzie to grow old enough to fight her great uncle. I may not know infinity, but I know what a toll this has cost me. And after all that, 
You tell me now that the fairy are not willing to take up arms against the warlock? Carlo's magic cannot touch us, so long as our enchantment holds strong. The only danger to us is her. Me? A terrible feeling strikes Lizzie as the Queen of Fae turns to look at her. Lizzie, dearest Lizzie, we must get rid of you. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm.
While Lizzie and Calindriel were debating with the Fey Queen, Garrett was being led by the Fey Guards to the World Tree Treasury. Or, at least, so they think. <laughs> oh, Garrett, wait till Mother hears of this. Treasure from the Queen of Fey's inner sanctum. Oh, dear Mum, no more rickety shack in the dismal swamp. We are talking palace here. We're talking being waited on foot and paw by our own private brownies. We're talking every storybook in Fey hand-scribed for our retelling. Through here, noble weasel. Garrett, you can call me Garrett. <laughs> a weasel honored with a gift from the Queen of Fae's personal treasury deserves that much respect, I should think. Yes, Garrett, right this way. The Fae Guard gestures to a vast chamber filled with all the treasures one could ever imagine Clothing woven from liquid gemstones and weapons carved from legendary metals. Flutes, mandolins, animal carvings, and so many more wonders that the eye could scarce take it all in. Oh, these, these must all be enchanted. Look how they glow. Shall I hold your rapier for you? Oh, ah. Uh, Certainly. More hands for the treasure hunting. Please, make your pick. Uh, I have other duties to attend to, like helping the elves. Hmm. Well, here is a splendid crossbow. Ooh, ooh rings. Hmm. I wonder what magic spells these might cast. Or perhaps gems? You can never go wrong with precious gems. What else have you got here? Oh, a cloak! I do love me a good cloak! Hey! <laughs> Invisibility! Ah, oh, bummer. No invisibility spell. I wonder if maybe the cloak makes me invulnerable to heat? Or the cold? What do you think, Althea? I think you'll have a few centuries to figure it out. Oh, what? <laughs> the door slams, and suddenly Garrett realizes the trick. They're not in the treasury at all. They are in the dungeon. Uh, uh, hey! Oh, what happened to the treasure? This, 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 this is moss and twigs and, and rocks. Hey! Althea! Fairies! Come back! Come back! Lizzie stands before the Queen of Fae, and she feels her feet about to collapse beneath her. She feels like she's in the magical ocean again, and now something wants to pull her down, down, down. Queen, I, I don't understand. I'm sorry, Lizzie. You are but a girl. You did not ask for this, but through a curse of birth, you are the center of it. We must keep you hidden away for your safety. For ours. Kyle! Kyle! Tell her she can't do this! Kyle! Save the unicorn. What happened to Kyle? Calendriel is tired. Imprisonment in your world is murderous on a unicorn. 
A deep, dreamless slumber will do him well, as it will for you. No! Get away! Up till now, the Fae Queen has been compressed. A thin, skinny creature, like a monarch butterfly, perched on a piece of milkweed. But now, she expands her enormous and star-filled wings, wings like mirrors that seem to carry all of eternity in them, and drops down toward Lizzie. Listen to me, little girl. The Fay Queen offers Lizzie a silver apple, which glows from within. Take a bite, Lizzie, to protect all of Fay. What will happen to me? You know the story told in your world of Sleeping Beauty? It's an enchantment of that sort. I don't want to sleep forever and ever, waiting for someone to come and rescue me. We need you to. The alternative is to put you in the dungeon and then you'll be awake for the next few centuries, growing old here and desperately lonely. You don't want that. Those are my choices? Carlo cannot last forever. We Fay are patient. We will wait until his flame extinguishes. Then order will be restored. I do not wish to compel you, Lizzie. Please, take a bite. For all of us. No, no, there has to be another way. I do not wish to compel you, but if you force me to, you will feel the power of my gaze, Lizzie. I am the Queen of Fae, the guardian and the nexus of the world tree, the center of the worlds. I am we, a line of queens that extends from now until forever, and retracts from then until before then. Before time, beyond it, you cannot refuse me. The queen locks eyes with Lizzie, and her eyes are power, cutting torches into Lizzie's very soul. Lizzie feels her arms go limp, and her will starts to melt like warming ice. Lizzie looks at the apple offered to her, and the choice seems inevitable. What is one precious life to save all of Fay? But then, Deep within the queen's eyes, she sees it. Just a little twitch, a brain worm, and the spell is broken. Lizzie can hear other things. She hears her mother's voice. Lizzie! And Lizzie knows her mom is in trouble, terrible trouble. And Lizzie starts to remember all the things her mom taught her. She finds her inner calm. Yes, I can! surprises her, her voice. It is like storm clouds. It is like earthquakes. It is like the end of the world. Or the beginning. Lizzie realizes she's been holding the Heartstone wand aloft. And now the Heartstone catches on fire. Blue fire. The blue fire expands to a glowing blue orb. An orb which orbits around the Fae Queen. And the Queen must face down what is inside of it what it reveals, the truth. Oh, no. oh, 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 oh. 
see what the queen sees, but she glimpses a reflection, reflected in the queen's alien grasshopper eyes. She sees goblins expelled from their homeland. She sees Carlo expelled to the same place. She sees the slaughter and the suffering wrought by these actions. She sees the blind eye that the Fae have turned on the suffering of others, their betrayal of unicorns. The power of this truth fries the brainworm inside the Queen of Fae's mind. But the brainworm doesn't go down without a fight. Lizzie scoops Kyle up in her arms. Lizzie runs, or rather staggers, toward the edge of the world tree and breaks through the doorway of the sanctum which is now flashing in and out of existence. There is a terrible gale at the top of the tree now. Branches are flying and the tree is bending and bowing. Lizzie charges to the edge, peers off into the great infinity of the endless wood. And she jumps. Faye and Fiends was written, directed, and produced by Fred Greenhalgh. Executive producer, William DeFries. Associate producer, Casey Turner. Script consultant, Kat Howard. Sensitivity consultant, Elena Fernandez-Collins. You heard Marie Lane as Lizzie. Shannon Campbell as the storyteller. Dustin Tucker as Kyle the Goat. Ella Moak as Garrett the Weasel. Casey Turner as the mom, Cherie. Kim Dakin as Grandma Nora. Michael Dix Thomas as Grandpa Jack. Peter Burkrod as Uncle Carlo. Karen Lund as Aunt Debbie, Michael Dow as Medic 1, Christine Marshall as Medic 2, Garrett's mum and Faye Althea, Chloe Koloski as Young Cherie, Lisa Boucher Hartman as Gooltree, Cockatrice and Water Elemental, Colby Elliott as Wittishens the Troll and Cecil the Gnome, Dalton S. Kimball and Gary Hauger as the Wargs and Goblin Soldiers, Gregory Hauger as Young Carlo and Additional Goblins, Katie Gall as Wyvernsong, Maya Williams as Wind Elemental, Burke Brimmer as Dr. Bronson, Carrie Ann Loomis as Nurse Carly, Mariah Bergeron as the Fae Queen, Jessica Rainville as Fae Cassandra, Chantal King as Fae Lieutenant, William Dufries as Giant, Goblin Supplicant, and Goblin Elder, Dylan Chestnut as Goblin Kid, Rachel Flanger as the Brainworm, James Herrera as Goblin Wizard, Tony Riley as Goblin Warrior, Ozma Caston as Glendora, and additional voices by the cast. Recorded by Fred Greenhalge on location at the Dear Old Farm in Berwick, Maine, and at Mind's Eye Productions in South Portland, Maine, both of which are traditional territory of the Wabanaki Confederacy. Assistant Director, Casey Turner. Production Assistant, Jessica Rainville. Dialogue Editing by Grace Waldron. Sound Design by Rory O'Shea. Additional Sound Effects by Mind's Eye Productions. Main Theme, World Tree Theme, and Carlos Theme by Peter Van Riet. Original Score by Frank Schulmeyer. Original Cover Art by Bethany Greenhalge. Episode Art by Simon Adams. See this amazing art, learn more about the world of the Fae and Fiends, and see behind the scenes of the recording process at our website, feyfiends.com. That's Fae, F-A-E, Fiends, F-I-E-N-D-S.com, feyfiends.com. 
Special thanks to the cast and family, and to Neanna Greenhalgh, who listened to countless early versions of this work and made it better by constantly asking questions. A Fane Fiends to Dagaz Media Production. Dagazmedia.com. Ren, and my best friend Drac is a vampire. Oh, but before you freak out, let me explain. Drac isn't like other vampires. He doesn't thirst for blood, he thirsts for knowledge. Each week we hop into the coffin of curiosity for a spooktacular adventure to learn about everything and anything, from how the sun works to why we burp. We have lots of fun, so join us. I promise that the only thing Drac will drink up is information, okay? Worst case scenario, he squirts you with some sunscreen. Search for Jack on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts for the ride of your life. Whee!